0: At something I've been been reading through my my Bible this year. I I hit this one a couple days ago, and it it really stopped me in my tracks. Well, one of the reasons why is I've been this time through the Bible. You know, I have. I'll be honest with you. There are times when you preach something and you say, "This is what we need to do." And I don't always do it myself. You know, that happens from time to time. And then the Lord reminds me. He says, hey, uh, you know, you need to do this. Like, you've talked about it. You've preached about it. You've challenged others. You need to do it as well. So I picked this time. Uh, as I'm going through, I, every time I see a promise of God, I'm writing it down. So I'm writing down the verse, uh, reference where it's at. Um, and if you remember, I a little bit ago, I preached on... Unconditional promises versus conditional promises. So I'm writing either a U or a C next to it, and then a little bit, a couple words of what the promise is. Uh, So I've been doing that as I'm going through, and it's really opened my eyes. When you, uh, you know, when you focus on something. you will see more. So I'm focusing on promises. So I'm seeing more promises as I'm going through than I would have, you know, Uh, you know, Brooke was telling me she was focusing on something the other day. I can't remember, but she's seeing more of it too. It's just, you know, it's just one of those things you, you think about ever see, you think about a certain type of a car, you don't see them very often. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about it and there you see them everywhere. It's the same thing. You know, you start to focus on it and I got to Leviticus chapter 26. Now Leviticus has a lot of uh, statutes, a lot of rules, a lot of things like that, Uh, and, you know, so there's not a lot of promises in that. I don't, if God tells them to do something, you know, like this is the rule, this is how you worship, this, that's not really a promise, you know, that's just here's how you live. So, you know, I was going for a long uh, portions without, you know, several chapters without a promise at all, then I hit this one, and almost every single verse is a promise, Every single one in this chapter. So, I I gave you a little bit of an intro, but reading in the book of Leviticus, again, there's statutes for the children of Israel. How to worship, you know, it tells them the burnt offerings, the sin offerings, the other offerings. How to consecrate the priests. How the priests were to conduct themselves and how the people were to conduct themselves. How they were setting up the camp. Remember, they had the tabernacle. uh, That was that Uh, Like the portable temple, basically, you know, before there was a temple, they had the the curtains of animal skins and they would kind of take it down a certain way and certain groups would carry certain parts uh, and they would move, you know, because remember, God would have them stay in one place for a while, could be a day, could be a year. And then all of a sudden, uh, the cloud starts to move, and they got to pack it all up, and they got to move where God tells them to go. So the, he, he told them where, uh, not only how to set everything up and things like that, and that's a little more Exodus, but in Leviticus, he tells them where they're to camp. They didn't just randomly camp all around this thing. You had the Levites first, and then he put the tribes in a certain spot. Uh, you know, some on the north, some on the east, some on the west, some on the south side uh, of where the tabernacle is. And what what's interesting, uh, and some would say ironic, and I would say it's on purpose, is he put the biggest tribes on the south end. So when you look at it, you've got uh, you've got kind of the. We'll use this a little more squarish. But you've got the tabernacle here. You've got a group over here, a group over here, a group over here, and a long group down here. It looks kind of like a cross, doesn't it? Mm. That's purely purely happenstance, right? But He told them exactly how to camp. uh, And and then, then he tells them other things like what's clean versus unclean. So certain foods. Uh, We're clean versus unclean. He talks about leprosy. He talks about cleansing. Uh, Leviticus is where you get the necessity of you got to have the blood for a sacrifice to... You know, to cover sins, uh, then the moral loss, So that's like keeping the Sabbath day, the different sexual sins, f- the familiar spirit stuff to stay away from. Then he talks about the feasts, when to do them, what to do, uh, the things that are a death penalty. He mentions those. He talks about the year of jubilee, and then he talks about redeeming things. So when they would sell their land to pay a debt, they were to, able to redeem that, uh, and then also caring for the poor and different things like that. So he covers a lot of ground in the book of Leviticus, if you read through it. But a lot of these rules and different things, and you may be thinking, man, this is a lot, a lot of statutes, a lot of rules. Sometimes it gets tough as you're reading it, kind of some of the same things, and you're wondering, you know, what is this really here for? But one thing to remember is these people had been in bondage in Egypt for 400 years. So when you're in bondage like that, they were under taskmasters. You know, the, the Bible says they built these treasure cities for the pharaoh. They built uh, Ramses, and I can't remember the other one, but they, they built this with their hard work. You know, they were, those taskmasters made them make brick, and they had to uh, build these things in the desert sun of Egypt. You know, and it, uh, it was hard labor. And you think about all they knew how to live was under orders. Right when you're a slave, that uh, you're not making your own decisions. You're oh, not getting up today. Right. How am I gonna? You know, me at work, I have a lot of freedom. What I'm gonna do uh, each day is largely up to me. I know there's a lot of things. I got to take care of, but I, I decide what I'm going to do. Nobody's saying, Mike, you do this, 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 and this. No, I, I couldn't do that anymore. It's too late. <laughs> I've been, you know, but you think about it. They were living under uh, this is where you're going to go. This is where you're going to make bricks. This is where you're going to do them. This is when you're going to start. This is when you're going to end. This is when you're going to eat. I mean, that, literally everything being told to them. And then all of a sudden, God takes them out of it. My goodness, they don't even know how to live. Right? They don't even know how to conduct themselves. They know how to live as slaves, but he doesn't want them as slaves anymore. They're free. They're free from that bondage. Uh, and they know how to live as Egyptians. He definitely doesn't want them to live like Egyptians do. Right. So no. he's telling them, he's like, here's how I want you to live. And here's uh, how I want you to uh, uh, to talk and to worship me and everything else. Uh, and remember, they didn't even know how to worship because the big thing at the beginning, if you remember when Moses goes to Pharaoh, just let us go and worship for a few days. And he said, No. So you know they weren't allowed to worship those 400 years. So they needed to really, uh, be even shown how to do that and everything else. So they're living, they're going from bondage to being free. But now, as being free and being taught what to do, then they're also making a choice every day what am I going to do? Right? I don't have the taskmaster beating me today if I don't do what he tells me to do, but what am I going to do? So we see that the Lord is teaching them and and they're learning everything from the Lord through Moses and Numbers and Leviticus and uh, and all of those things. See, the book of Exodus is where they built that tabernacle, uh, you know, got it raised and everything else. And then God gives them all those statutes I talked about, taught them how to live, taught them what's right and wrong. Uh, so now they're living as uh, a free people, but also God's chosen people. So that we we have to remember who they are uh, and what's going on. Uh, uh, but what we see uh, is he's saying, hey, uh, he's saying hey, uh, God is not letting this this chosen people, this brand new nation that he's allowing that of his people, he's not letting them live however they want. See, our current society struggles with that, don't they? They they struggle. See, our society today thinks freedom is no rules at all. Like, whatever you want. No, nobody's telling me what to do. Nobody's, uh, uh, you know, right. so that's why our current society doesn't like any rule. They don't like, they like to rebel. That's their favorite thing. They like anarchy. They like all of these things. But God, from the beginning, made it very clear, I want you to live a certain way. Right? I want you to act yourself a certain way. And definitely if you're going to worship me, there's a specific way I want you to worship me. And he taught them pretty clear. There was a couple groups that tried to worship their own way, right? With strange fire and incense and everything else. It didn't work out well for them. But see, the problem is our society today sees freedom as complete freedom with no restrictions and no consequences. But that's not biblical. The Lord said the freedom was the freedom from the bondage of Egypt, right? The freedom of sin, the freedom of that oppression and everything else. And now there's a freedom to live for God and live with God and live within God's rules and statues for life and for worship. So then we get to kind of the beginning. And we'll we'll pray. I should have prayed at the beginning. But Lord, I thank you so much for this. A time that we've come together and thank you for your word how precious it is precious it is to our lives and Lord I ask that you'd help me Lord to be able to uh, to preach your word today Lord you're a good God and merciful Savior and in Jesus name we pray and amen. So let's look at it he says in the in chapter 26 of Leviticus in the first two verses, he's kind of talking about it's a little glimpse of the Ten Commandments. He says, "Ye shall make you no idols, nor graven image; neither rear you up a standing image; neither shall you set up any image of stone uh, in your land to bow down unto it. For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall keep my sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord." We see that uh, he's kind of—I uh, think—right there, he's kind of putting together uh, really the Ten Commandments. He doesn't. Live everything, but it's really all of it together. He doesn't want any idols. He doesn't want them worshiping anyone else. Don't you be like Egypt with all their gods and everything else, or like the heathen Canaanites with all their idols and everything. And I want you to keep the Sabbath, and I want you to reverence uh, my sanctuary. And he's saying, uh, I want you to worship me alone. And again, this is just a piece of the Ten Commandments, but he's really, uh, look at verse three, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them. So verse 3 he's he's really encompassing everything. He's saying I'm not going to reiterate everything from yeah. numbers and Leviticus but I'm saying it's all in here right here. This is all of it. Uh, I want you to keep it all. He's saying and notice what what he says right here the action words if you walk in my statutes If ye keep my commandments and do them. We've got three verbs right here. Walk means to live in them, to exercise them, to follow them. Uh, You know, let that be part of your life. And then keep is to protect and to guard. I'm telling you what, I I heard a message today talking about uh, us needing to keep the Bible. You know, and I'm saying, my goodness, isn't that true? We've got to keep a hold on what's true because it is slipping away. Not in this world. This world is in darkness. This world doesn't follow the truth, but there are a lot of churches today, a lot of good uh, uh, that started good churches that are just letting things slip right away. They're not keeping the things. They're not keeping the truth. They're not keeping the word of God. He said, you've got to keep it. You've got to protect it because I'll tell you what, you start to think about it. You start to do some surveys and polls. You start to listen to some new ideas and you will start letting go of these things. They'll say, you know what? That one feast, we don't like it. Let's replace. Right, uh, uh, The blood sacrifice, that's too messy. Let's, let's cut the blood out. Right? You know, they'll just go down the line one after the other until finally it's nothing uh, of what God told them to do. It's only what they want. So he's saying not just walk in them, but you keep them. And you keep them by you teach your children and your children's children and you pass it along and you live it and show people. And sometimes it means from time to time, uh, if people aren't going to follow what the Lord says and they're going to reject it and they're going to try to, uh, you know, make a mess in the Lord's house. Sometimes you got to let them go. Sometimes. Not only that, but do finish exercise, perform it, do it. Right? Not just walk in it, but complete it. The whole thing. You know, sometimes we start things, right? We start things. We'll walk in it for a little while, and then we'll give up. He's saying, no, no, no. Walk it, keep it, and do it all the way across. If you do all three of these things in regards to all the statutes and commandments of the Lord, he makes promises in verses 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, and 12. And think about it, I'm sitting there trying to write each one of these, and I have been going along reading, you know, page after page, and then all of a sudden I'm like, my goodness, there's another promise. There's another one. There's another one. All conditional, verse 3 is the condition for all of these promises. Till we get to uh, uh, till we get to 12 so those from 4 to 12 verse 3 is the condition so let's start to look at the conditions if you uh, if you walk in the statutes keep my commandments and do them then first we got verse 4 then I will give you rain in due season and the land shall yield her increase and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit so he says hey I'm going to give you rain but not just rain anytime you know, we've had rain at the wrong time, haven't we? We've had rain when we didn't really need it, and it causes flooding. But he said, no, I will give you rain in due season. What's that mean? Exactly when you need it. If if you were to ask the farmer exactly when they need the rain, uh, after they've planted, after they've done everything, and they'll give you a specific time frame, the Lord said, that's exactly when I'll send the rain. Exactly when you need it, I will send the rain. Haven't you experienced that in your life, too, where uh, it may May not have come early. It didn't come late, but exactly when we needed uh, it. And there's really, God sending yeah. the rain, uh, what we needed and what they needed for the crops to grow. And not only that, he's talking about a harvest. He's saying the land's going to yield their fruit. It's going to come up. And, and that, uh, you know, I've watched, it's funny, I've watched shows about farming and it is tough. It, every bit of it's hard, you know, because so many things can go wrong. Like I said, you can get too much rain, not enough rain. The rains come at the wrong time. Uh, you get uh, certain kind of bugs that uh, come in, certain kind of weeds. Uh, you know, you, you fertilize at the wrong time. You use pesticides too late, you know, or don't use it all. Or, you know, the, the tractor, uh, something's wrong with it when you need it. I mean, just so many things can go wrong. And the Lord said, hey, I will get you to the end and there'll be a harvest there. That's good for a farmer, right? That's a blessing that the Lord's saying, hey, I'll send the rain at the right time. Uh, you'll have a harvest, whether it's in the field or the trees yielding their fruit. They're go- it's going to happen. And then in verse 5, more harvest promises And your threshing uh, shall reach unto the vintage and the vintage shall reach unto sowing time and ye shall eat your own bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. Do you see that? Ye shall eat your, uh, eat bread to the full. He's saying not just a little bit. This reminds me, we were just talking about the feeding uh, of the 4,000. Remember, and and in the feeding of the 5,000 in both of them, the same uh, statement is they ate till they were full. They were fully satisfied, even though uh, Philip the first time said there wouldn't be enough to even give everyone a little bit to eat. Uh, There's Jesus feeding all of them till they're full and there's more left over. And that's what we see. He's saying right here, I'm going to feed you with these harvests and everything. You're going to be filled. Right? You're not going to have to ration. You're not going to have to try to divvy things up and everything else. You will eat bread to you're full. And not only this, I like the end. You'll dwell in your land safely. There will be peace. right? There will be peace in the land. There will be protection. And that continues, right, in verse 6. And I will give peace in the land, and ye shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid, and I will rid evil beasts out of your out of the land, neither shall the sword go through your land. My goodness, in that day and time. What a promise was that? Because you never knew when the next army would come over the hill. You never knew when the next uh, uh, group of people would decide they want to take over the whole world or whatever. You just never knew when that would happen. Or, or your neighbors that were friends would then get angry with you or anything else. He's saying, I'm going to give you peace in the land. So much peace you're going to have that you can lie down without fear. Ooh. That ask us that question. That's a good place to stop and say, how many times have we, uh, aren't be able to sleep because we're afraid of something, right? We're in fear, gripping our heart. And he's saying, I'm going I'm to give you such peace, you can just lie down, you can rest. And none shall make you afraid. Nothing, no fear. Yes, amen. Not even a sword will go through your land, right? Or not even those evil beasts will go through to try to harm you. None of that. And then look what happens if an enemy tries. Verse 7. And ye shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Yeah. Right? Yes. If the enemy comes, you're going to scare them away. Right? And you're going to knock them down no matter how many there are. Right? No matter how fierce, no matter what group it is, no matter what you've heard about them, before they get there, he's saying, hey, they're just going to fall. And it gets even better. Verse 8. And five of you shall chase a hundred. And a hundred of you shall put 10,000 to flight. And your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. Amen. Right? Yeah, right? Now he's given some numbers to this. Some ratios here. He's saying five against a hundred. And a hundred shall chase 10,000. And they'll fall by the sword. And you look at those numbers and you think, man, those numbers seem crazy. right? There's no way. And then I remember Gideon in 300. Right? Gideon in 300 defeated 135,000 Midianites. So that's 300 versus 135,000. God was telling the truth, right? Yeah, he he was, was saying it. Amen. He was giving the truth every time. In fact, he underpromised right here. That ratio is even better for Gideon than it is right here. God did even better than he said he would. But look at this, verse 9. And I will have respect unto you and will make you fruitful and multiply you and establish my covenant with you. That word respect, it's a little different than what we think of today. But he's saying, I'm going to appear before you. You're going to, I'm going to be right where you're at. Right? Almost like saying face to face. Instead of saying, I've got to turn my face from you. I won't have to do that. What do you think about that? God won't have to look away. Because he's got to look away when he sees the wickedness. And he says, hey, not only that, but I'll make you fruitful. Right? And you're thinking if he's saying fruitful and he's already talked about harvest, he's talking about possessions now. I mean, don't tell the prosperity preacher, but that's what he's talking about right here. For this group at this time, material possessions will increase. He'll multiply them. They'll have large families. And in that society in those days, that was a great blessing to have a large family, a healthy one and it reminds me of Genesis 15:5 remember that the Lord said uh, the Lord brought Abraham outside and abroad and he said look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them, and he said unto them, So shall thy seed be. Right? He's he's telling them, He's saying, Hey uh, Abraham, if you could number the stars, uh, and you know you look out there, and we uh, because of all the lights and the cities and everything, we can barely see as many stars. But if you're able to go out to a place with no light uh, that's isolated, you could see millions more stars than we can see, which he would have been able to at that time. And imagine uh, you you couldn't have even started counting that. Seeing that those seas of stars out there. But God said he would do it. I like verse 10. And ye shall eat old store. And bring forth the old. Because of the new. He's saying there will be extra food left over. From the previous harvest. And there will be so much more coming in with the new harvest. You're going to have to quickly eat the old. To make room for the new. Right? And that made me think of something. I don't know if you guys use, like, click ClickList with Kroger or, or something like that where you pick ahead uh, all your groceries. They shop for you, and you go pick it up. They load it into your car. I mean, super convenient. Uh, we, we did it when the trends started doing it when the twins were born, you know, when everything's hectic. One of the things you learn is a lot of times they run out of specific things. So you just are ready That you know, there's going to be a handful of things that don't make it. You know, right? You're not going to get them. Uh, They won't have a substitute. They're just out of it. Well, we, you know, so you start planning for that. You just start planning for that. Uh, And the other day, I go to pick up the click list, and there's no substitutions. So that means we got every single thing we wanted, which is great. Until you get home, and then you're thinking, how are we getting all this in the freezer? Like how,
1: you know, and I joke around,
0: I joke around, we're going to have to eat ourselves out of this problem, but that is exactly what he's saying right here. He's saying, you will have to eat the old store to bring forth the old because of the new. He's saying, hey, uh, the new blessings are going to be coming in before the old blessings are gone. Wow. Yeah, Think of that. What a blessing. I know we joke about groceries, but he's saying just The whole blessings that he's able to bring, he's saying, you just, it will be too much for you. Look, verse 11. And I will set my tabernacle among you, and my soul shall not abhor you. And you think about that tabernacle, remember I said is that curtain had those curtains of animal skins that were dyed certain colors. They had the furniture inside. They had the Ark of the Covenant in the middle uh, and everything else. And they had that, uh, they would set up camp before God would move them and then they'd take it apart and everything else. God's not talking about that tabernacle building right here. He's not talking about that. Because remember what that represented. That was to represent the presence of God. Right? But it represented the presence of God. And a couple times, that it did fill the place. The smoke of God and God's presence did fill it. But that was an exception, unfortunately. Right? A lot of times they were just moving that building around, that tent around, whatever you want to call it. And God's presence wasn't there. Hmm. It's not in the building, by the way. But he's saying right here, he's saying, I will set my tabernacle among you. He's not talking about the tabernacle. He's saying, I'm going to tabernacle with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be, my presence will be in that Amen. thing. I will be in the middle Amen. of your camp, right in the middle of where you're at. Uh, I will be there. Uh, and he, he's telling them that, he's promising them, if you would just walk and keep and do, I'll tabernacle with you. I'll reside in your midst. And you think about it. if it wasn't, if the presence of the Lord wasn't good enough, he saved the best promise for last in verse 12. Oh, Look what he 12. says. Amen. And I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. Yes, amen. Don't don't get you no get to that. that. Amen. And He's saying, hey, it's one thing to have God's presence amongst you. Right? That's a good thing. In the middle of the camp, that's a wonderful thing. But he says, I will walk with you. You realize you can't walk with somebody Unless they're right there with you, right? Unless you're side by side. I don't remember which preacher. He made it so simple. I think he was talking about Enoch walking with God. Might have been Brother Edwin Hayes or somebody was explaining. He said, you know, if he's walking with God, do you realize they got to start at the same place at the same time? they got to go in the same direction at the same speed or they won't be walking together anymore, right? It seems so simple when you're walking with somebody, but you realize when they stop, you stop, right? When they turn, you've got to turn to keep walking with them. And that's what he's saying. I'm going to be right there with you. Aren't you glad? Yeah. Aren't you glad he walks with us? Not just be around us. Not just in the same house. You can be in the same house as somebody and not be right with them, right? Amen. <laughs> I won't push that too far. Uh, but you can still be distant. Uh, but they're walking together. They're not apart. And he says, I will be your God. You know what he's saying? You can claim me, right? Praise God. I'll be you your God. Be you can anyway. claim it. That's what he's saying. You can say that. That he's my God, right? He's yeah, my God. Yeah. It's claiming it. And then not only that, he's saying uh, you can claim me, but he's saying that ye shall be my people. You know what he's right. saying? He's claiming us. That's even better. Amen. Right? Oh, I, I've met a lot of people that have claimed God, right? Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent. They they've claimed that they're a child of God. They claim they're close to God and claim everything else. And I claim that you know I'm a child of God as well. But I want him to claim me. Yeah. That's what I want him to say I, that I'm one of his children, when he opens up the Lamb's Book of Life, Ooh, I want my name amen. there. So he shows everybody and says, Hey, this is one of mine right here. That's what I want. yeah That's what yeah, he said he would really do. Really good, eh? You yeah. think of all these promises. How powerful are they? My goodness. A plentiful harvest, eating bread till they're full, safety, peace. Enemies being threatened by them. Being fruitful and multiplying. More blessings than they could even take year after year. The Lord dwelling among them. Walking with them. The Lord claiming, uh, us claiming the Lord. And them claiming, and, and the Lord claiming them. And you think, what a God. Right? What a set of promises. Yeah. What a life. Can you imagine what an amazing life they would live? Yeah. And now think of this. They went from the bondage of Egypt. Right? From being whipped by the taskmasters, making bricks and um, treasure cities for Pharaoh and the desert sun for 400 years, to now having freedom. And he's saying, If you follow what I've told you to do, I will give you all this. Right? That's what he's saying. God, sure. What amazing Amen. promises. Amen. Child of God. And he's saying, Hey, the only thing between you living all of this. verse 3. Right? If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and do them, then the question is, would they? Would they? For a while. Not as often as they would neglect the statutes, disobey them, rebel against God. And that's sad, isn't it? Because we didn't talk about it, but The entire rest of the chapter, if you look at verse 14, it tells you right there, but if you will not hearken unto me, and then I'm writing promise after promise after promise of what he said he would do if you don't follow him. And then he goes on, after you get a couple into it, he goes on and say, here are promises if you continue in this sin. So here's the first promises if you start going against him. Here's the next promises if you continue to go against me. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. Why would they trade? Four through 12. Right? Why would they trade that? For all the problems. One of the things that stuck out, I, I don't know where, I didn't write it down, Uh, but you'll see it a couple times in there if you read through the rest of the chapter. He is saying a couple times, I will take the peace, I don't know where it's at, the peace of mind away. He says that. He says, I don't remember how he he says it, but it's in there a couple times, and I just read that, and I'm like, my goodness. That, the peace, turns into fear, and, and not just fear, but the, Their hearts are shaken. Uh, The peace of mind is gone. All of that's gone because they would continually go against the Lord. And I said, how sad is that? Because he gave them straight up. He said, here's the two choices, right? I've brought you out of Egypt. You can't blame Egypt for your day-to-day life anymore, right? You're out of there. You're out of there. You choose now. Are you going to follow my statutes or not? And unfortunately, they chose not to. But you know what? Although Leviticus chapter 26 is for the children of Israel, we've got a lot of similar promises. Not the farming ones. Not the harvest ones. We've got a lot of ones that talk about peace of mind and taking care of us and different things like that. Him being our God, Him being in the midst, and everything else that are pretty similar. So we got to ask ourselves, man, they were given all this, and sometimes they chose the other way. You know what? A lot of our promises being fulfilled are later, right? So it makes it even harder. They fulfilled promises, or they did what God told them to do. They would get instant gratification, instant reward, instant peace. Now the rain, they'd have to wait for the right time of year, but I mean, everything would be done right then and there. We've got to wait with some of our promises. But I am telling you, the same God that said I would do all this is the same God that will fulfill our promises. Maybe we don't get everything down here, but he will reward us. When he says says nobody, uh, nobody that's given up, father, mother, sister, brother, you know, different things, there's so many different passages like that. He says they'll be rewarded. And his reward is with him when he comes back. Say what, let's not follow the children of Israel And let's just do what God's called us to do. All right, we're gonna open up the altar tonight. If you need to pray, I'm glad we've got a go.